Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Kroger, fresh for everyone. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. One of the things we talked about the other day is, is that when it comes to like the preseason chatter in college football, that there is nothing wrong with talking about other teams other than Georgia. We're not quite so Georgia-centric that we don't think it's interesting. For instance, the idea that Michigan might be at Ohio State for a third year in a row. A very interesting battle that's been waging in the uh, in the Big Ten the last couple of years, the emergence of Jim Harbaugh, kind of a, a little bit of a, a new era in that rivalry for a, where, where for a while Ohio State was kind of on top. Michigan has kind of responded. If you want to be interested in that, there's nothing wrong with being interested in that. Uh, you know, Urban Meyer was talking about was talking up Texas the other day. I think that Texas could be a very interesting team here this season. I think Quinn Ewers is a really good quarterback, and you got to have four playoff teams somewhere. So if you're thinking about kind of a slightly off the radar playoff type team I think that Texas could potentially be a part of that discussion there's no nothing wrong with with you know kind of including all of that that you know in addition to being Georgia fans we are also college football fans and the overall kind of landscape of college football is interesting and fun to examine this time of year but what we said is we kind of borrowed the catchphrase you know Roman Reigns the uh, professional wrestler of the WWE uh his uh catchphrase which is acknowledge me and to me, that's kind of the way that the college football conversation should go. You want to talk about Michigan and what they might be able to do this year? Have at it. You want to talk about Texas, what they might be able to do this year? Have at it. You think Florida State could be kind of a surprise team, kind of sneaking back into the college football playoff conversation? I'm here for it. You think Clemson bounces back with a new offensive coordinator in place? I'll be willing to listen to it. You can discuss any team in college football you want to discuss, but you better begin by acknowledging me or the team that we talk about here, the Georgia Bulldogs. You better put them in a category by themselves and then discuss what's going to happen kind of after that. And at that point in time, you can sort of get into who's left and what else and whatever, but you better acknowledge Georgia off the top as the very best team in college football and the historic nature of what Georgia might be able to put together. Now, to ESPN's credit, they recently did just that. We kind of highlight sometimes when we feel like they fall short of doing what they should do when it comes to giving enough credit to Georgia. But the other day, I think this is probably kind of in mind of 100 days out from the start of the college football season on the morning show known as Get Up, Mike Greenberg hosted. They were doing a little bit of a college football segment. You bring on Heather Denich. Heather at times kind of you know draws the ire of some Georgia fans because it seems like she's more negative than not at times about UGA or whatever else. I, I'll admit I'm not a huge fan either. But nonetheless, she's brought on there. They're talking Georgia football. And even Heather now is kind of forced to acknowledge that the big storyline, the big issue – ahead of the college football season is the idea that Georgia has a chance to make history and becoming really the first team. And however you define the modern era, uh, Georgia becomes the first team that has a chance to, to actually win three straight national championships. That is the storyline to begin this college football season. And obviously what Georgia does at that quarterback spot, she says, is going to have a, you know, a lot in towards determining whether or not Georgia really can, as we say around here, go for three in 23, which then set up another kind of an interesting exchange. You're going to hear Mike Greenberg from ESPN posing the question to Heather Denich, and they talk about the stakes that are out there for Georgia, and I would say, for the most part here, properly acknowledging exactly where Georgia stands in the ultimate pecking order of college football here right now. This is the interaction from ESPN television earlier this week. Whoever would have thought 
uh, years ago that we would be in this position, but here we are. They own the sport right now, but they need to reload at quarterback. Should we expect them to be right back there in the national championship mix? They should be right back there because Carson Beck came out of the spring probably as the favorite, but he's going to continue competing with Brock Vandergriff for that top spot. And as I mentioned, they have four straight home games, all of which they should win. And so Kirby Smart is the kind of guy who's not going to be afraid to make a quarterback change if he has to to get the best player on the field. They have an easier path to the college football playoff than Alabama does. Alabama's going to play Texas in a non-conference game, so it could be interesting there, but I would expect to see Georgia back in the SEC championship game and one of the top four teams. The phrase that immediately kind of jumps off the page to you there is Mike Greenberg saying, hey, who would ever thought we'd be at this point? But right now you got one team who clearly owns the sport in a way that nobody else does. And folks, that is just true. Now, obviously, an audience like this, we like the idea of that being true. But sometimes what we like the idea of actually is just flat out true. Right now, Georgia is running the sport, and when you look at the overall momentum that Georgia has with its 2024 recruiting class, you get the impression that that is not something that's going to go out of style anytime soon. So credit to Mike Greenberg for uh, fully acknowledging that. And for the most part, kind of credit to Heather Dinich there, who for the most part kind of acknowledges all of this there as well. She, you know, you know, she for the most part does that. I guess the one thing I would kind of nitpick with here just a little bit is – you know, once again, kind of leaning into the idea of the Georgia schedule and this and that. Look, Georgia is not a product of its schedule. It's just not. You know, the thing that we've said here is, I know it appears like Georgia plays a lot of easy games here in the 2023 season, at least on paper. That's what it appears it's going to be. But it's important to remember, Georgia just won the national championship game 65-7. to the reason why it looks like Georgia plays a lot of easy games is because when you are currently as good as Georgia is, they're all easy games. So, you know, the idea that somehow Georgia is a product of a schedule on paper that doesn't have the big non-conference game, you know, that may be good fodder for a you know morning show like this, kind of low information folks that, that, that watch broadcasts like that. But ultimately, it's not reflective of the larger story actually in college football. Last year, Georgia played 15 games. Only two of them were even reasonably close. Everything else was a blowout because that's the distance that Georgia's put between itself and everybody else in college football. And specifically Alabama, who Heather mentions right there. At a certain point, and this is, I guess, where I'm going to kind of nitpick some of the ESPN conversation a little bit. But at a certain point, I think it's important to, to sort of cast the right narrative about Alabama. Alabama's got a responsibility right now to prove it even plays at Georgia's level. Last year, it didn't. Now, historically, Alabama's obviously well-established. They've won lots of national championships. But y'all... This is not about the history books. This is not about what's happened in the past. This is about, this is about what's true here right now. And uh, Heather herself mentions the game that Alabama has against Texas. That's not a challenge for a playoff-worthy team like Alabama to get around. That's an opportunity for Alabama to prove that it actually even is still worthy of being in the college football playoff conversation. Because the truth is, last year, we're thinking college football fans, by the end of the year, Alabama wasn't. It just wasn't. It had lost two regular season games. I know Crimson Tide fans were begging for the chance to be in included in the playoff. That was always silly. It was never going to happen. Alabama was not a college football playoff team, not a college football playoff level team, not an authentic 
college football playoff contender in 2022. Are they still that in 2023? They need the win against Texas to prove that. They do. It's not an obstacle to get around. It's an opportunity to demonstrate that you're still the Alabama that existed in 2020 and kind of beyond and, and, and before all of that. So that's the issue here right now is we know what Georgia is in college football. As Mike Greenberg says, they own the sport. When it comes to a team like Alabama, Alabama has a responsibility to prove that it actually still plays on Georgia's level, and maybe it will do that. The preseason rankings suggest they have a chance to, but they've got the obligation to go out there and demonstrate that. Last year, they just fell short of that. So I think the appropriate conversation to have with the Crimson Tide here right now is the fact that Georgia isn't the most relevant team for Alabama to compare itself to. The truth is, is that Alabama would do better comparing itself and measuring itself against a team like LSU, which actually prevented the Crimson Tide a year ago from being in the SEC championship game. That it's actually LSU that's worth considering here more so than a team like Georgia. That right now, part of the byproduct of Georgia proving to be as good as it's been, distancing itself from college football as much as it has, means that at least for now it's distanced itself from Alabama too. Now the Crimson Tide fan will say, well, what about 2008? You know, you know, what about, uh, you know, what about 2012? What about 2017? Well, those are all things that happen, but they also are all things that happen in some cases, the relatively recent past. And in some cases, now the very far distant path past predating Kirby Smart, even being head coach here at Georgia. And it is not obvious to me right now how much the current state of Alabama is actually connected to uh, the great past that it's had with Nick Saban as head coach. That's what we're going to find out relatively early this season. But as we're finding that out, what we also expect is Georgia in many ways to replicate the success that it's had the last two years there as well. The way we say this is, and eventually you better believe, we'll be all you know full steam ahead on this as an idea, go for three and 23. It is a historic, uh, historic possibility for Georgia. It's the kind of rarefied air that makes you think, well, certainly it must be almost impossible because if it wasn't impossible, then someone would have done it before now. But the truth is, maybe Georgia just is that right team at that right moment to actually step up and do something that not even Nick Saban has been able to do, which is win three straight national championships. I'll give ESPN credit for this. 100 days out from the start of the season, they have identified the only story that matters. Can Georgia chase down history? And can anybody do anything to kind of chase down Georgia? That is the only questions worth asking as this 2023 season gets ready to begin. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We are presented today by Kroger, and we are glad to have you with us. No matter how you get to us today, live on video, 10 a.m., Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch. We start on the uh, our own platform, dognation.com, Dog Nation app, even earlier than that at 945. We love doing our first in 15. Uh, we're also available on the radio at noon on Athens Sports Radio 960, The Ref, and as a podcast including the world-famous dognation.com. Just really, really appreciate you choosing one of those platforms, being a part of what we do here. We just really, really appreciate that. Whichever one works for you, we're just sort of glad it does. We try to make the show as available as we possibly can. Also, big thanks to our friend to Kroger for making all of this possible there as well. Hey, Kroger's got you uh, locked in right now for everything you need to make the upcoming Memorial Day weekend exactly what you want it to be. You can stop by and get big savings in-store. You can go online, Kroger.com. You want to get the great stuff for the cookout. You want to get the great stuff for uh, all the exciting things you have going on this time of year. What, ice cream and uh, you know hot dogs and burgers and buns and chips and all that kind of stuff. You can get all of that right there at a Kroger to make this Memorial Day weekend everything it's supposed to be. Folks love being outside this time of year, especially when you have really nice, pleasant, you know, not too hot yet. Uh, really great weekend weather. So 
Go to Kroger, get stocked up, all the beverages, all the food. Make the Memorial Day weekend exactly what it should be with our friends at Kroger here this weekend. By the way, speaking of grilling out and having a good time, I want you to also uh, have a little bit of a heads up about this. So many of you know, next week we're going to be on vacation. But while I am on vacation, we're going to have a great series of pre-recorded shows. I'll talk more about that in a moment. But I want to make another point specifically known to you. We're going to kick off a great giveaway next week. I'm going to announce all the details about it. It's going to run for a couple of weeks, your chance to enter on that. It's an awesome giveaway courtesy of Kroger and Traeger Grills. Y'all, this is one of the coolest things we've done. It really is. And it's going to be running for the next couple of weeks. We're going to announce more details about it next week. So do me a favor. Uh, have your antenna up for this. I'm going to tell you more of the details. We're going to kick it off next week. You're going to be uh, uh, able to be a part of this. Just kind of a fun celebration of summer. I love summer here around Dog Nation for all the fun stuff we get to do, including some really cool contests. This is going to be an awesome one. It's going to be next week uh, that it's going to start. So please, during our show space next week, take a listen during this portion of the show when I kind of give you some details about that. And eventually, we're going to kick off this contest next week. So stay very close on all of that. It's just going to be an awesome time. So that's coming up next week. Now, let me give you one or two kind of housekeeping notes, and then we'll kind of move on with the rest of the show. As we said before, this is our last live show. For those of you who are a podcast listener, obviously we record this live. You hear it um, in many cases the day that it's recorded. Next week, we have a series of shows that are going to run Tuesday through Friday, Monday being, being Memorial Day. We typically take that day off, so there won't be any broadcast at all on Monday. But Tuesday through Friday, we have a great series of pre-recorded shows that we put together while I enjoy a little bit of vacation time. I'll be back the following week, and we'll kind of cover all the news that happens. As you know, we're kind of moving into a big weekend next week for Georgia Recruiting. Jeff Sintel will be popping on air, boom, right away if something big happens with that. SEC spring meetings are going to be taking place in Destin, Florida. By the way, more on that in a moment. If something big happens with that, Mike Griffith pops on. Connor Riley's going to be around. So you will not miss any big news that happens. If something breaks, we'll pop on and talk about it. Somebody will. It won't be me. I'll be away from work. But somebody will pop on and talk about it. So uh, while our show won't reflect the news of the day necessarily, we have some terrific kind of preseason type content they'll be sharing with you. Someone from Dog Nation will be live and on the air and ready to react if something really big occurs, SEC spring meetings or or uh, recruiting maybe or whatever in between. Dog Nation will be all over that with you, and I hope you enjoy next week's shows. We've obviously put a lot of work into them to make them as fun and enjoyable as we possibly can because uh, we take your time seriously. We want to make good use of your time. And then looking forward to being back the following Monday and kind of rolling into uh live shows again kind of getting back to the normal format doing first and 15 things like that so for next week your show comes on video starting at 10 a.m there'll be no first and 15 uh no live comments at the end with ors andrews cooldown, but kind of back to normal with everything again the following week so hopefully that all makes a lot of sense all right we're gonna talk to jeff Sintel here coming up in a moment a lot to get into as it relates to uj recruiting george has gotten what four commits in the last week so we'll kind of cover a lot of that with jeff we'll also look at what's coming next for georgia slated to host a whole bunch of official visitors next weekend to kick off the month of june prior to that though i want to go around the doghouse and served up today by our friends at the finish long drink and 
On Wednesday's show, when Mike Griffith was here, we were talking about the SEC spring meetings next week in Daston, Florida, and I've jokingly said this before, that, listen, no better job to be in than uh, college administration right now. By the way, I guess congratulations in order to uh, Georgia's athletic director, Greg, uh, uh, excuse me, Josh Brooks, who signs a contract extension, gets himself a raise. I think Josh done a good job as Georgia athletic director. I think he's a very fan-friendly AD, which is, I think, what you, uh, you know, about all you can ask for, really. Obviously, the football team is having incredible success right now, and uh, Josh's leadership obviously contributes to that. But you know, it's that experience for the fans, and you know, making the stadium feel nice and look nice, and the concession operations, and and the things like that. That's some of the stuff the average fan cares about. I think that Josh Brooks has been pretty fan friendly thus far in his tenure as UGA AD. So happy to see him get a raise. Happy to see him get the extension. Happy to hopefully have him here around Georgia for a, a long time to come. So congratulations to him on that. That comes out of those UGA spring meetings that have taken place this week there at Lake Oconee. Uh, also, if you want to go to dognation.com, Mike's got a story looking at some artist renderings of how the expansion at Sanford Stadium is going to look. You know, that one part of the stadium was not available for G-Day, has had some construction going on. They're kind of widening those uh, concourses there, kind of creating a little bit more space for fans. They've done this other parts of the stadium. Now they're doing it there on the south side there uh, at Sanford Stadium. And so if you want to kind of see what that's going to look like, how that's going to impact your fan experience, for those of you who kind of sit on that side of the stadium, for those of you that go to home games, good stuff from Mike Griffith there about that at dognation.com. You can check that out. But the other thing that kind of came out yesterday from Georgia's spring meetings there at Lake Oconee, what's a preview of what's going to happen next week at the SEC spring meetings in Destin. And as I said before, Mike Griffith and I talked about this on Wednesday. So if you haven't had a chance to go back and hear Dog Nation Daily presented by Kroger from Wednesday, we kind of talked about that a little bit then. That a year ago when they got together in Destin, the thought was we may hear about a future SEC scheduling model a year ago. The notion that Texas and Oklahoma are about to come into the league and we know the league is getting rid of divisions. We know the league is going to start playing more opponents more frequently as opposed to what currently exists now where Georgia plays the same, what, six teams every single year. Moving forward, they're going to be far fewer permanent opponents. That that it's either going to be a nine-game conference schedule. Currently, the league plays an eight-game conference schedule. But moving forward, it's going to be a nine-game conference schedule with three permanent opponents or it will be an eight-game conference schedule with one permanent opponent. Those seem to be the two models that are in place. And a year ago, we thought we might hear from the SEC an announcement they were going to the nine-game conference schedule. There had been a lot of open support for that. Nick Saban had been kind of openly in favor of that for a long time. Now, he sort of changed his tune now a little bit, kind of oddly. But for a long time, you know, Nick Saban was kind of openly in favor of the nine-game conference late. There's some reason to believe that the teams that sort of kind of are more in the, I guess, sort of the power position of the SEC, like the Georges and teams like that, they kind of more favor the nine-game conference slate than not. But there was apparently some opposition to that a year ago. There was some reporting that, for instance, that Kentucky did not like the idea of moving to a nine-game conference schedule. As Kentucky has said it, well, they already play Louisville, a Power 5 non-conference opponent every single year. That was their ninth Power 5 game, they thought. You know, I think the read between the lines here on this is a team like that likes the money that it gets from playing an easy win home game each and every year. They kind of use that to get bowl eligible, that if you play a tougher schedule, more SEC games for a team like Kentucky that's kind of on the bubble most years, 
there may be fewer seasons, which they're bowl eligible, which means there may be fewer seasons, which their fans have reason to feel good about what's happening there for Kentucky football, that Kentucky sort of thought it was in its own best interest uh, you know, to not be in favor of a nine-game conference schedule. There's now some thought out there that more teams might feel that way. Jerry Moorhead, who's the University of Georgia president, spoke this week at SEC spring, or I should say at the Georgia spring meetings, about the SEC spring meetings that are going to take place uh, next week. And he definitely foreshadowed what might be a large level of disagreement about what the future of SEC scheduling is supposed to look like. Let me read this to you. And I got this quote from the Athens Banner Herald. Uh, this is Jerry Moorhead saying, I'm ready for it to be done, meaning the deliberations over whether the SEC is going to play an eight-team schedule with one permanent opponent or a nine-game uh, schedule with three permanent opponents. He says, we've talked about it and talked about it. I'm not sure it will get completed. We'll see. There's just a lot of dynamics still playing around on that issue. Moorhead goes on to say, I may be saying more than Commissioner Sankey would want me to say, but obviously if you go to a nine-game schedule, you have to be compensated for going to a nine-game schedule. There's still some dynamics that have to play out with our media partners. He's obviously referencing ESPN there, who's essentially the only true media partner that the SEC has. So that's Jerry Moorhead from the Athens Banner Herald. And I talked about this on Wednesday, that if you're just a regular fan, to me, I would say that almost the majority, certainly the majority of us, almost maybe the entirety of us, kind of feel this way. When it was initially announced that Texas and Oklahoma were coming to the SEC, there was not widespread excitement about that. There just wasn't. On this show, you know, on online, whatever, there was not a whole lot of SEC fans like, yeah, the SEC's gotten better. I think a lot of folks thought the SEC's kind of getting weirder. I don't think that there are a lot of SEC fans that sort of feel like they have this great kinship with Oklahoma and Texas, two Western schools that have been a part, you know, the old Big Eight, the old Southwest Conference, Big 12. There just feels like there's a little bit of a cultural divide that has existed kind of in that Western part of our country with the SEC. And it definitely felt like you're bringing in two outsiders to the league when you bring in Oklahoma and Texas. But over the course of time, I think some fans who are not all that jazzed about this to begin with probably made a little bit of peace with it because at the least you're going to get a lot more better games, I guess to use bad grammar. You're going to get a lot more games that are maybe more interesting than the current schedule that teams like Georgia play. Going to Austin more frequently, going to Norman, Oklahoma more frequently. You're going to have a great collection of rivalries added to the incredible collection of rivalries that already exist in this league. But now Jerry Moorhead foreshadowing what I believe is an actual real possibility that because of money, in this case ESPN's unwillingness to spend, you may actually have less great rivalries going forward. That ultimately for the cost of adding Oklahoma and Texas in the SEC is you don't get to play Georgia-Auburn anymore every single year. You'd play it probably every other year based on the scheduling model that's in place. But if the SEC has an eight-game conference schedule in the new model going forward, we're led to believe that Georgia and Auburn won't play every year. And to me, that's a huge loss for both teams. And the same thing for like Alabama and Tennessee, third Saturday in October. In an eight-game conference schedule world moving forward, there won't be third Saturday in October each and every year. And, you know, you bring Texas into the SEC, uh, and part of the fun about that's supposed to be, well, finally now you can see Texas, Texas A&M again. But in an eight-game conference schedule world, you probably don't see that every year either because Texas' lone permanent opponent in an eight-game conference slate is probably Oklahoma. And I don't mind telling you, if you're a Georgia fan or an SEC fan, this ought to be pretty frustrating to you. Now, I get the point 
that Greg uh, that uh, Jerry Moorhead's making here. I, I get the point that he's making is it would probably be a little bit dumb on the part of the SEC to just give all this away for free. You know, you bring in Texas, Oklahoma, you get a little bit of a, I guess, prorated bump for adding the two uh, schools to the league. But right now it sounds like ESPN is not willing to, or at least thus far has not proven willing to, pony up more dollars to account for the additional inventory that, that they might get if the SEC really expands to a nine-game conference schedule. And giving ESPN a better collection of games and getting no compensation return is probably not a good business model, uh, not a good business idea for the SEC. I, I sort of get that. So I guess I kind of blame ESPN for this. That the idea that you could have 16 teams in the SEC, the option for so many great games taking place on a yearly basis, and because of ESPN's sudden frugality after they gave, uh, you know, uh, you know all the you know the money they've kind of given out over the course of the last couple of years you know the idea that all of a sudden now ESPN suddenly frugal they want to pay more money to the SEC and, and you don't get to see Georgia Auburn every year Pat McAfee's so trying to think of they gave Pat McAfee a gazillion dollars but they can't pay the SEC uh extra money you know you know to, to to have a nine-game conference schedule, which means now you don't get Georgia-Auburn every year. You don't get Alabama-Tennessee every year. You don't get Texas-Texas A&M every year. That, to me, just sort of feels like a huge loss. So I'll be on vacation next week, but I think it actually sets up a situation in which the SEC spring meetings are going to look pretty interesting. Interesting about what announcement gets made, or as Jerry Moorhead sort of foreshadows here, interesting about whether or not an announcement gets made at all. And... Very curious to see, does ESPN prove to be a good media partner to the league here by ponying up, giving more money to justify the SEC expanding its conference schedule and giving ESPN a larger inventory of games? Uh, pretty pretty interesting times here in the SEC. And as the University of Georgia president kind of foreshadows in those comments I just read, it is not obvious where all of this is heading. But that is around the doghouse. It is served up today by our friends at the Finnish Long Drink. And I mentioned this a moment ago that right now we're heading into that kind of Memorial Day weekend time of year. People love being outside. We had a little bit of a pool party in my neighborhood yesterday to sort of celebrate the kids being out of school and obviously folks getting ready for their cookouts and all that kind of stuff. Well, as you're doing all of that this time of year, our friends the Finnish Long Drink are a great accompaniment to you for that. I, I think the Finnish Long Drink just tastes great when you're outside. I, I just think it's wonderful around the pool. It's wonderful around the cookout. You're enjoying this wonderful time of year, and we love summer around here. I just think the Finnish Long Drink is great on all of that. There are four different varieties. If you go to thelongdrink.com, you can find out where you can pick some up today, and you can try the Long Drink Cranberry, which is super popular in my neighborhood. The Long Drink Strong, that's 8.5% alcohol by volume. Long Drink Zero, no carbs, no sugar. You want to look good in your bathing suit, that's a great way to do that this time of year. Long Drink Traditional, it's the blue can, got the uh, grapefruit flavor, the gin kick. It's like a mixed drink in a can. You like mixed drinks? Well, you're going to love the finished Long Drink because it is a ready-to-drink cocktail. Kind of looks like a beer, but it's not. Great story. Comes from Finland, you know, Helsinki, 1950s. Summer games were there. Been in America now for a couple of years. It's pretty much everywhere all across Georgia. So go to the Long drink.com and you can find out where to pick some up and we certainly appreciate our friends at the finished long drink serving up around the doghouse to us here today all right so now i want to kind of transition to what we'd like love to do each and every friday and conversations like this feel even more important right now because of all of the action that has taken place with georgia recruiting over the course of the, over the last few days and what is on the horizon for georgia 
in the next next couple of weeks ahead. This these are certainly very busy times as this 2024 class gets ready to come together. So let's talk about everything that has happened and preview everything that it's about to happen. Let's do all of that with Jeff Sintel here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger here today. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. So a lot to get to with Jeff Sintel here. We bring him on, Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger. Been a big flurry of activity for Georgia recruiting the last few days, and obviously there's more of that that would appear to be on the rise in there as well. So I guess, Jeff, let's start with this. The collection of commitments that Georgia has gotten this week, including uh, Jaden Riddell, very impressive tight end prospect out of Missouri last what, just a couple of days ago. You're talking about you know 24/7 Sports Composite got him as a number 55 player in the uh, country. You know he's right there along with you know uh, in, in conversation to be you know top tight end in the uh, country there as well. What do you like specifically about what Georgia has brought in with Jaden Riddell? Uh, happy more. Happy Memorial Day, everybody. Happy um, Happy Friday, Brandon. I think it's kind of like a continuation, Brandon. It almost feels like overkill. You can go with Elise Williams. That's the number one tight end in the country for 2025. Some people have Jaden Riddell as the number one tight end in the country for 2024. And they're very, I don't know, they're very guarded or they're very protective of some of his rankings. They're like, Jeff, why don't you go ahead and just say he's the number one tight end because he's the number one tight end here. Well, he's the number one tight end there, but he's the number two on their composite. It all gets really... Sounds like math class, and we don't want Fridays with Brandon on Dog Nation Daily to sound like math class. But here's Brandon four four one in the forty. You look at his play. You look at what he's done. He's taken over several seven on seven camps, seven on seven showcases, just with turning fifty fifty balls into Riddell balls. Where he goes up, he works number twenty three. He looks like number twenty three in the air. Uh, Brandon, here's what I love. You watch his film, and he's running a jet sweep on like fourth play on his film. Brandon, there's only one tight end that has jet sweeps on their film, and that's Brock Bowers, uh, especially their high school film. And he, he brings that. It's, it's kind of awesome, Brandon, because Georgia is trying to balance it out. You see what they did. Austin Lucky, more of a pure tight end and attached tight end. Lots of experience blocking. Colton Heinrich is the guy that they got the day before. Those two were in on an official and an unofficial together, and that tie you tight end, you tight end, tough bonding stuff is already supposed to happen and you just see a, a guy like Riddell is more of that offensive threat he's really fast he's stretched the field he's going to go up and win balls um the athletic playmaker explosive tight end there when you've got the other tight end in Colton Heinrich it's more of a do everything type tight end especially um physically blocking I mean he shows the ability to do a lot of things Riddell's going to have to learn to grow into those roles. You don't see a lot of stuff on his film on blocking at all, about you know locking onto his man on the perimeter and creating those dog yards. Uh, but he's such an athlete, Brennan. He's such a talent with that curly hair. Uh, and with Todd Hartley telling him what to do with his ear, you know he's going to get there. And Brennan, it's, it's going to be a conga line of athletes tied in. One thing I want to say, and this is one of the things that just comes to my mind, I just got off the phone with another major prospect for Georgia in the 2024 class, Brandon. The recruiting, the commitments are all good. It's, it's wonderful. I'm sure everybody celebrates them. I'm sure people kind of had a joke yesterday about, geez, Georgia, what's going on? We didn't have a commitment on a Thursday. Are we slacking off? Is everybody already at the lake and fired up the grill? Here's what happens, Brandon, for me that I noticed behind the scenes doing something 
the work I always do every year covering this recruiting class. And these young men and their phones are always busy, but then when they find time for you, they're like, all right, I got five minutes. Can we make it six minutes? Can we knock it out? And, like, you're at the six-minute mark, and you're like, okay, I, you know, we're at six minutes. That's good. Appreciate the time. And, like, they said, no, no, I need to tell you about this. No, 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 I forgot to tell you about this. You need to know this. People need to know this. And on their own volition, Brandon, that, you know, budgeted five, six-minute phone call turns into a 12-minute phone call because they have so much good stuff to say about what's happening right now at Georgia. Well, that's a great thing to be able to hear. And one of the things I told our audience about Riddell the other day is, is that obviously the, the larger story right now is the, I guess, the growing trend in this class and all the players that are you know, kind of coming into the class or maybe names we expect to come into the class on the heels of Dylan Raiola's announcement a couple of weeks ago. And yeah, I think it's also important to kind of zero in on and evaluate these players individually too because if you really watch a lot of the Riddell film – what you see is, as a player from an athletic standpoint, as you said, Jeff, that does kind of match what Georgia has been doing at the tight end position as of late. And we talked to Terrence Edwards about this yesterday, that Riddell, in some respects, is kind of redefining that position, or it kind of continues the way in which that position has been kind of redefined at Georgia, where all of a sudden now, this is a guy who expects to be an athletic pass catcher type at a place like Georgia. When you see some of the seven-on-seven stuff that's out there and some of the other film that's kind of out there on Riddell, is you do see that sort of plus athlete that you've come to expect from Georgia the tight end position. And so I don't think a guy like this should get lost in the shuffle of everything else that's going on with UGA recruiting because individually there's a lot to like about Jaden in particular in just kind of the fishbowl evaluating just him. You know, Brandon, here's, what, here's a little thing I do when I look at film and I, I look at the upper echelon film of the guys that are getting close to getting the Hartley offer or have the Hartley offer or have the Hartley offer early. Um, I'm actually looking at a lot of 2027 tight ends, 2026 tight ends already. But as I go through this, this is how I look at tight ends, and I, I have a benchmark to determine whether that is a Georgia tight end or an SEC tight end or another Power 5 type tight end. I, it's pretty simple. I don't know if that's the method Terrence uses, but what I use is I sit there and I look on film and I'm like, can you dial up this player's number and get an explosive 30-yard play? And can you do this over and over? Can he show this over and over? And really there are a lot of great tight ends in the country, Brandon. We've talked about them a lot. We've covered them a lot. There are a lot of really good All-American high school tight ends that you can say, that guy's going to get you a 15-yard play or a 20-yard play in the SEC. Very, very few can get you a 35, 40-yard touchdown play in the SEC. Jaden Riddell is one of those guys, and he clearly bullseyes the benchmark for what I'm looking for now, what I've seen so far as a pattern for a Georgia tight end under Todd Harvey. How about Heinrich and Harris and the two guys that came into the class a little earlier this week? You know, those are names that, I mean, Heinrich, I feel like we kind of got to know because of the some of the visit stuff that had gone on, but probably names that you and I have discussed together less frequently. We've discussed some of these other names. What can you tell us about them and what it is that Georgia's adding with a big-time offensive interior, you know, certainly big guy, I should say, you know, very big offensive lineman out of New York, you know, Heinrich, another tight end, uh, you know, out of the state of Florida. What is Georgia getting out of both those guys here right now? Yeah, let's start with Harrison because I think Harrison's probably, and it's funny, Brandon, uh, if you look by pure ratings, Harrison and Heinrich are two of the three lowest-rated guys in the Georgia class right now. Harrison's going to get a big bump as more people see him. 
Harrison is actually from Hawaii. Excuse me, from Iowa, not Hawaii. I've got Hawaii on my mind for a really good reason. But, like, he's from Iowa, and his dad is a farmer. And what Harrison wants to do, besides play really great football for five or ten, for, for 15, 20 years, is he wants to be a farmer as well. He's going to major in agribusiness at Georgia. You don't usually hear that, but, like, for him, his dream in life is to be a farmer one day after a long football career. And I love his mindset. Something he has said, and even said it publicly, is he said, I don't know where I would be right now without the game of football. Brandon, in this NIL culture where players have to get de-recruited, especially the ones that have the, the game and the film and the attention that would command the Georgia offer and to commit and sign the Georgia, um, there's sometimes you've got to dial them down a little bit. I don't think any dial down will be necessary for Marcus Harrison. And he, Brandon, he's 6'7 plus. He's got a He's got a Dikembe Mutombo reach, wingspan, um, 320-ish. But the thing about him, Brandon, is he hasn't had a growth spurt in like four years. He was 6'6 and 280 when he was an eighth grader. And he's the guy, if you watch his film, he's out there getting on guys like Broderick Jones got on guys in the playoffs and in the stretch drive to another natty for the dogs. He can go out there and block that corner on the edge. He can go grab a safety on the second level. He's that athletic. He moves that well. Heinrich is a guy that just has been polishing and polishing and polishing. Um, parents were both Division One athletes. Mom was a college basketball coach. It's funny, anybody knows that movie, Love and Basketball? Well, his parents had a love and basketball type love story when they were coming up and they were courting. Mom actually beat Dad in the game, but Dad won her heart and <laughs> got his future wife out of it. Um, they ended up coaching together on the same college basketball team. His mother, Marilyn, was the head coach, and his, his dad, Jeff, was the assistant coach. Imagine that of all things. And, and Heinrich can go out and get it, too. He plays for a throw-happy offense. A lot of readers, I got some responses about, okay, there's the three stars, and they're, they're wanting to see an explanation for a three-star. Well, Brendan, he had 35 offers, and his final four, his final four official visits, they were Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia, and North Carolina. I mean, if you, if you have Alabama and Georgia at the highest state in your final four, you're much better than a three-star prospect. You're much better than the nation's number 31 tight end. I think the world will see that. The people were asking me about his numbers. They wanted to see a tight end with a little bit more numbers. He plays in a true air raid offense, Brandon, where I think eight guys on his team last year had 25 or more catches. So they spread the ball around a lot. Heinrich has got a frame where he's going to lock on and move, move defenders around, even – even though that's really not what they do. They have him in slot a lot um, where he plays off the ball about 50% of the time. He's also an H-back for their program as well. Really strong program. He's been a part of two state championship basketball teams in high school, one state championship championship football team. He was an all-state tight end last year. I mean, I think this is one of those positions, Brandon, where the Hartley stamp – says a lot about the type of player that Georgia would ever want to bring in. You got a good story up at DogNation.com yesterday with Casey Poe, the uh, terrific four-star offensive lineman out of Texas recently at Georgia there as well. A lot of Georgia fans sort of feel like this could be maybe one of the next in line to maybe go public with a UGA pledge. I'll let you tell us if you think that's true or not. But you also hear a little bit about Clemson here. Sometimes you hear a little bit about Alabama. I guess how competitive is the landscape still for Poe right now? It's competitive. I think Alabama's going to get a – very meaty, weighty visit coming on. Um, you see a lot with um, he's going to take Clemson as well. He's got Texas Tech in there. He's got Auburn in there. 
He still wants to take visits after those first five. He wants to take visits to Oklahoma. He wants to take visits to LSU. So there's some contenders here, Brandon, but he told me he'd already had his Georgia checked every box. Georgia set the bar extremely high. But he said he's already had his moment where if he chooses to go to Georgia, it was the way Tate Ratledge told him on what life is like as a yeah. bulldog. It was, it was, everybody thinks that it's winter, winter go home, that if you don't play real early, you're going to get kicked out. It's going to be very businesslike. It's going to be cold-hearted. Tate Ratledge, you know, he's more than a mullet, more than a mustache, and more than a co-host on a very interesting podcast and YouTube show these days. Tate nailed it, man. He, 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 hit, he hit the bullseye he hit over and over and over again. One of the things, Casey, folks, you're going to love this kid. He has like 10 to 15 coaches, football coaches in his family. Um, he, he, he told me a great story about he knows Georgia is going to be hard. Georgia is all high energy. Georgia is high effort. He said the freshman year is going to suck. But he's like, you know what? Sometimes in life to be great, we've got to embrace the suck to go through something you don't want to do. That sort of mindset, that sort of ethos to get to, to, get to where you want to be in life. That's what we all have to go through. Hard-working kid, Brandon. I think of all the players that Georgia is recruiting to join the 2024 class and protect Ryan Puglisi and to protect Gunnar Stockton and to protect Dylan Riola. I think I think Casey Poe has the highest uh, threshold to come in and play right away. Scouting terms, you would call that a floor or a guy that you know is not too far away from playing in the SEC. Maybe not in a place like Georgia or now or in Alabama, although their offensive line at Alabama isn't what it used to be. Um, I think that Casey is a guy that was enamored, and Georgia put the hook in his mouth really hard, man. And he's going to have to take a couple of visits to figure out just how Georgia, just how great Georgia is, just how different Georgia is than anybody else. What we can report behind the scenes here about what hasn't shown up on DogNation.com is we're noticing, we're listening. Uh, there's a lot happening behind the scenes with Dylan Riola building relationships with all these potential players in the class. And there is already a very strong bond there connected between Casey Poe and Dylan Riola. Both of them um, anchor their lives around their Christian faith, their strong Christian faith, and whatever they can do with their platform to let folks know that Jesus and God shine through them every day. These young men both walk that type of walk in their life, and they've become very fast friends. It's great to hear. Um, let's talk timeline here just for a moment. So I'm assuming kind of maybe quiet this weekend because of the holiday, although sometimes recruits have a tendency to make announcements on holidays, maybe for the Georgia coaches themselves, uh, hopefully getting a little time away, and then obviously setting the stage for the gigantic week next week, especially heading towards the weekend. So give me a little bit of a reminder, especially for our you know folks who may be kind of in and out and kind of busy and having a hard time keeping track. That first series of official visits to kick off the month of June, first you know collection of visitors coming in there, just how seismic this next seven to ten days is going to be here for Georgia. I think, Brandon, um, there will be a lot of guys that get some family time in right here this weekend. A lot of people shift down. Although it's funny, Brandon, a lot of recruits are taking official visits this weekend. Sammy Brown is taking his official visit to Tennessee trying to trying to fit all the schools he needs to see in. Um, you've really got – where's my number at on my phone? I'm going to try and pull it out of my head, but not by phone. But I think there's eight five-stars that are coming for the first weekend in June, and I think there's already seven confirmed for the second weekend in June, Brandon. 
That's 15 five stars, considering Georgia already hosted guys like Jeremiah Smith um, for the for the official visit weekend for the scavenger hunt. You're gonna you're gonna see somewhere. I mean, I'm just trying to talk five stars in the 2024 class as well, Brandon. That is different. That is going to be two weekends in June, which probably take up a lot of that Georgia recruiting budget. But it's also going to really not just the seeds have already been planted, Brandon. I've kind of referred to Georgia recruiting as, you know, from January to May is recruiting time, evaluation time, and then May and June is closing time, and then the month of July is the committing time. That's the that's the traditional framework or the blueprint roadmap that Georgia coaches, and now a lot more high school players want to convey in their recruiting so they get everything done before Georgia goes to tries to go hashtag go for three and 23. There you go. Go for three and 23. And then before uh, these other guys try to get another state championship ring or their first championship ring, there's a convenience. There's a, I mean, Casey's a great example. Casey's going to be a football coach one day, Brandon. So he wants to get his stuff out of the way before his football season. So he can focus on Lindale high school and that last senior year ride, because it matters to him. It matters to the players he's surrounded himself with for years. And, again, it all comes back to Georgia trying to pick the right players and to pick the right fits and not necessarily the most talented players. Um, if you want to kind of read between the lines on a lot of this stuff, I mean, you could say Marcus Harrison is currently a three-star rated player. You could say Colton Heinrich is a three-star rated player. But I can assure you, Brandon, in the strongest terms here, that they are five-star fits for the University of Georgia in a lot of areas. So where Nitro Tuggle the other day was uh... – calling his shot on Justin Scott, terrific defensive line prospect. How real do you think that is right now? Because obviously, you know, Georgia fans are always going to kind of gravitate towards a, you know, a big defensive line prospect like that. Uh, how would you assess Georgia's chances with Scott at the moment? Very strong. I mean, everybody can watch the social media edits about Miami and crystal ball picks. I'm going to tell you, Brandon, and it probably is honestly and transparently as I can say this, Justin Scott is going to come to Georgia and he's going to be expecting Georgia to blow his mind. He's going to be expecting Georgia to reset the levels of his recruitment. I'll say this. I don't think the Justin Scott recruitment really even begins or is underway until Georgia has got him on campus for an official visit. According to my information, that's going to be his first real extended visit with Georgia. Somehow, Brandon, the dogs are in that thing. Somehow you've got these wink-wink emojis from other key Georgia commitments when he's never really spent some time and been around Georgia. Um, now, he's from the Chicago area. He's seen Michigan. He's seen Notre Dame. He's seen Miami. Uh, I think he's waiting uh, to see just exactly if Georgia's everything he's imagining it to be. And if it is, might get a chortle out of you, Brandon, in a, in a few weeks. No doubt. That would definitely be a chortle-worthy commitment. Let me finish with this, if you don't mind. Um, I haven't talked about this a ton, uh, just because I, I don't know. But it is a, a, a contrast, is it not? The fact that, you know, Georgia last weekend was busy doing what it was doing, you know, obviously having, you know, Dylan Ryle on campus and doing the throwing session and stuff like that, you know, clearly busy at work. And at the same time, you sort of see, you know, Nick Saban out in Italy. And listen, he's got a right to take a vacation. Obviously, everybody does. And, you know, I'm sure that was a fun trip. But that is an interesting distinction, right? That that Georgia was as busy working as it was while Nick Saban's kind of gallivanting through Europe. You know, I, I try not to necessarily grab every piece of low-hanging fruit that's out there, but hard not to notice the difference there. Am, am I being unfair pointing that out, Jeff? I think it's unique. That's the way to say it. We don't normally see this. And it's, a, it, it's, it's maybe you've got Alabama on holiday, and that can say two things. Number one, 
they feel really good about the recruiting class coming together and where Alabama recruiting is at. And maybe they feel really good about how Justice Haynes looks in the backfield and Caleb Downs and, uh, and Dallas Turner look on their defense. But I, I think maybe it's more of a reason that Georgia has – there's two thoughts, two really strong thoughts on this. Maybe it's a reason that Georgia has such a great tradition for the scavenger hunt in late May where they don't want to do it on Memorial Day, but they want to do it in late May. And, Brandon, the other thing is just basically efficiency sake and timing and logistics. These kids are going to take more officials, and there's not six weekends in June. There's not five weekends in June. So what they're going to try to do is they're going to try to find a way to bring kids in early. One of the things we have noticed, Brandon, and we've heard that on the recruiting trail with people telling us this, uh, Stacey Searles even told Casey Poe this, is there's a reason why Georgia is structuring their official visits the way they are. If you're coming in in the, the scavenger hunt weekend or the first or second weekend in June, that's who Georgia sees as their priority guys, the guys that they want to make sure they get a good bite of the apple first and get a chance to claim their seat on the bus because the bus is really filling up um, for the chance to become Bulldogs. And the players that are coming in should be considered, especially the first two weekends in June, even if their star rankings did not, those players should be considered as guys that have the ability uh, to really be high up on the food chain with Georgia. In most cases, I'm not going to say all cases, because I know there's some players that timing and it's the only weekend they could get with other scheduled officials. Um, there's a lot of players that if they want to grab a, uh, grab a place on Georgia's roster, if they want to grab a place in this class, Brandon, that I will tell you right now, we'll set the new record as far as rankings go and a team score in Georgia football history. It will bust that one and clear that one wide open, and it will challenge to get around that 331, 332, 333 mark. But I did some math um, the other day because I had so many people asking about it. Like, what exactly do you see that you can tell us? And I said this on Hedges on Wednesday. But I think there's out of the top 100, there are 27 or 28 players that I think Georgia is in the shooting match with. And eight of those are already committed to Georgia. So I see out of those – out of those other 19, I can see Georgia winning about 8, 9, 10 of those recruitments and getting somewhere around 17, 18, 19 signees inside the top 100. Brandon, that would mean a right around eight or nine five stars. And I know you know this, but the, the, the record ever for five stars, that's, that's eight by Texas A&M. Now, I know on three is a different dynamic with their industry ranking. So for, for history's sake, when we're comparing history, and one of the reasons why I think I fall back a lot on 24-7 sports composite is just if you want to do any sort of trends over a five, ten-year period, on three wasn't really around for that, right. even though if they, they had some of the same people doing the rankings. But most Georgia's ever had is seven, but and that was in the 2018 class. I expect this class, Brandon, to surpass that. Really, really very interesting. All right, Jeff, this will be the last time I get a chance to talk to you for a little while. I'm going to be on vacation next week. So let me just say this very quick, and you give me a short answer here. Is there anything that we should have asked you about that we didn't? Hmm. I think you got to start talking about what happens with Demarcus Riddick. Okay. Uh, in the class at, uh, in, in Alabama, currently a five-star, not acting like a five-star commitment. Why do we say this? Young people can do what they want, but – he wasn't there for G-Day. He hasn't came in in the spring in May for, for visits. You haven't seen Georgia out publicly evaluating him. Alabama and Auburn are trying hard, of course. You know, maybe, maybe Nick Saban was out in Italy because he was looking for a new sports car to tour recruits 
to tour recruits around campus with because he's already broken out his Mercedes. But I think um, what George is doing with the potential of Justin Williams, who was really feeling yeah. Georgia on that unofficial visit, yeah. that's the number one linebacker in the country. I've got a source, Brandon, a pretty good source, that told me on his last day of his junior year, Justin Williams was wearing a Georgia shirt uh, on his last day of school, right off the heels of that unofficial visit. Um, he's a potential backup plan for Demarcus Riddick, and isn't it just the most Georgia thing where if you lose a commitment from the nation's number three linebacker and a five-star, that perhaps you can replace him in the class with the number one and the number two linebackers in the country? That would be Justin Williams. That would be Sammy Brown as well. Um, that's something I think that should be on Georgia fans' mind, where Georgia can lose a five-star commitment potentially over the next couple of months and then replace him with higher-rated players. That's that's a very Georgia recruiting guy statement thing to say, but it is real. And also, I will tell you, another potential Nigerian nightmare for Georgia is Joseph Jonah Ajanye. I think maybe I should give you an obstacle course one day, Brandon, with all the uh, different pronunciations sure. and the phonetics in the class. So I know not only you would learn it, but I know all the readers out there would learn it as well because there's some different um, phonetics here with this Best ever class Georgia's putting together, but I tell you, Brandon Joseph Jonah Ajanye. Not only is he a dude, not only did he really love his unofficial visit over this weekend in Athens, he's already scheduled his June twenty third visit. Let me tell you how that went down, Brandon. He was taking his unofficial visit to Georgia to see it for the first time, and he had already like almost a wedding date. He had already saved the date that if Georgia hit the mark, then he was going to lock in a June twenty third official visit. Well, Georgia hit the mark. And Georgia locked in the June 23rd official visit. That stuff right there, Brandon, is different. Guys coming into Georgia with already a planned official visit uh, set up, even though they were going into their first visit because they, they knew they were probably going to love it, and then they loved it even more. And I'll stress also that thing I shared at the beginning of the call for people that are just hopping on, is you find yourself, and a lot of, a lot of times these recruits are just beaten to death by talking to people. It's not just reporters. It's coaches, and it's coaches at every school that are trying to shoot their shot, shoot their, shoot their shot. And with a lot of these players, they can't wait to tell you more about their trip at Georgia. It is really fun where they're like, they sometimes say, I'm sorry I've kept you long, but I wanted to hear that part. It's a different batch of players in this, in this group, and I think part of it is the kids that they're choosing. Kirby Smart is in the strawberry patch picking the right, the right exact the right exact fruits he wants, the right exact shapes and sizes and textures, but it's also about a lot of these kids that just see what's happening in Georgia, what has happened, the elite NFL development, the elite championships, and they can see in their mind's eye a way that things are only going to get better in Athens, and they want to be a part of it. It really is a special time. Jeff, really good stuff. Thank you so much for sharing that with us here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger today. I know you'll be all over this next week while I am away, and I certainly appreciate all of that. And then we'll obviously hear from you on the show next week, too, just not necessarily with the uh, twists and turns of the current recruiting cycle, but you'll be all over that on Before the Hedges and on the pages of dognation.com. And then two Fridays from now, we'll be back talking recruiting as we always do. So, Jeff, I will look forward to doing that with you then. Hope you have a, a terrific Memorial Day weekend, and uh, we will talk soon. Thanks, Brandon. Enjoy your vacation. I know you deserve it, and you definitely earned it for us, man. Uh, recharge and relax, buddy. Uh, thanks a lot. I appreciate that, Jeff. Thank you very much. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Uh, Jeff certainly delivered there on that really strong recruiting information. Appreciate that from Jeff. 
And obviously, he mentions the idea of a vacation, which makes me think about some of the vacations that some of you get a chance to take here this summer. I'm talking about Royal Caribbean cruise vacations. Now, I'm not on a Royal Caribbean cruise next week. Uh, looking forward to a short weekend cruise before the summer is done. Excited about that. Uh, but listen, you can be excited about your own Royal Caribbean cruise vacation Really, anytime. Summertime, heading towards late 2023, early 2024, the debut of Icon of the Seas. Really no bad time to take a Royal Caribbean cruise vacation. And this is the time to sort of step up and find out more about that. Even some chatter behind the scenes about, you know, some stuff related to Dog Nation here. Maybe next year we're thinking about that. Never too soon to start thinking about what that might be. So we'll tell you more about that when we have a chance to. Uh, Jessica Slater, you can give her a call, 770-718-9147. That's 770-718-9147. She's a terrific travel agent. Royal Caribbean really believes that the experience of booking a Royal Caribbean cruise vacation made better when you use a great travel agent like Jessica. So reach out to her. Let her walk you through all the options that are available to you. You can choose the port you want to sail out of. For me, I like kind of going out of Port Canaveral because it's closer. Just drive down to, you know, kind of just past Orlando. You're there. You can also go out of, you know, Port Everglades there in Fort Lauderdale or the Port Miami. In fact, uh, that's where Icon of the Sea is going to be next year. So whichever one's kind of closest to you, you know, uh, even if you're thinking about sort of nationally, you know, uh, different kind of ports there as well. But for us, just kind of just south of here, down in Florida, great chance to get on a great Royal Caribbean cruise ship and go and enjoy the uh, Caribbean this time of year. Just so much fun. Perfect day, Coco. Okay, all the other stops in which uh, Royal Caribbean's famous for, you can check all of that out. Jessica's going to help you with it. 770-718-9147. That's the number. 770-718-9147. She'll get you going on that here this summer. And speaking of the summer, we are definitely in a little bit of a summertime vibe when it comes to the SEC right now. So yesterday, there was a very sort of classic summer debate that kind of got going. And, you know, I don't know. Some of this stuff is obviously not meant to be taken all that seriously. So Auburn is celebrating today. They, don't have, they have not had much to celebrate athletically uh, in quite some time. But they were celebrating because they just had a Bucky's open at Auburn. Now, by now, most of you know what Bucky's is. It's basically like if you combine Disney World with a gas station. By the way, Kaylee Manziel is producing today. She's got her uh, Bucky's cup going there. I like to see that. Uh, that's almost like one of those, like, I don't, I'm, I'm not saying that Kaylee has wine in her cup right now, but it's almost like one of those wine, uh, you know, like tumbler type things. So uh, we'll let whatever she's got in that cup be uh, left to itself. But that's what it kind of looks like. But she's got her Bucky's cup with her right now is the point of all of this. And so Bucky's is like the combination, for those of you who are not aware, between a gas station and Disney World. Like it just really is something that you have to see to understand. Uh, and so... And a Bucky's is now opened in Auburn, and that got Auburn on its official Twitter account bragging about this. Let me show you the graphic. I so um, my take on this is actually going to surprise you a little bit. So Auburn puts out the uh, the graphic yesterday. The only SEC school with a Bucky's. You got the Auburn football guy there. You get the Bucky mascot. Which, if we're going to be honest here for a minute, I, I guess that's a beaver. Bucky's a beaver, right? Uh, almost a little bit kind of standing on Eddie the Blind Squirrel's corner here. I feel like there's a little bit of copyright infringement there, but technically Eddie's a squirrel and Bucky's a beaver, so I guess it's not the same animal. But the point is, it's it's somewhat similar. Anyway, though, you see the Bucky's uh, kind of deal there below. 
I actually kind of like this. This is the type of thing that I think SEC, SEC teams should be doing in the summer. I don't think this is meant to be taken seriously. I think it's just kind of funny. Uh, Auburn doesn't do a lot of stuff that's funny or entertaining or enjoyable, so when they actually stumble into something, I'm going to give them a little bit of credit for that. I don't mind Auburn celebrating itself as the only SEC school with the Buckies. I feel like that's the kind of fun-type content these SEC teams should be looking to do here in the early portion of the summer because when something like that happens – Almost certainly there is a flurry and a barrage of responses to it. The best one of those probably came from Lane Kiffin yesterday, who uh, took a chance to also kind of brag about what Ole Miss has. If Auburn's going to brag about a Bucky's, Lane Kiffin put it up on Twitter <laughs> that Ole Miss is the only school in the SEC that has a Chevron that sells chicken on a stick. And that's kind of one of those famous sort of like gas station type foods that the uh, local Chevron has there. Ed Orgeron was somewhat famous for, I guess, going in and eating that, you know, every single week, which honestly, fried chicken on a stick actually sounds pretty good. So uh, I don't always love Lane Kiffin either, uh, but I think he's uh, I think he's well within his rights to kind of do this there on that. It's a pretty funny graphic. Ole Miss on Twitter is actually usually pretty good. They have a usually whoever runs their social media has a pretty good sense of humor, generally speaking, and that even predates Lane Kiffin being head coach there. So my opinion on this might surprise you. Normally, I'm going to kind of be snarky and take jabs when the opportunity exists but i'm not going to take a shot at either auburn or Ole miss this is the kind of stuff you should do in the summer i know that some you know georgia fans have kind of done their own version of some of this there a little bit i'm here kind of for all of that you know whatever it takes to pass the time right you know fall will be here before you know it we love summer as a precursor to fall but you know for those of us who love college football this is what you do you kind of find something to sort of joke about or argue about or whatever else and so Auburn contributed some of that yesterday and I'm guessing that the Auburn Buckies will probably be a pretty popular location the first Buckies I ever went to was the Buckies in Leeds it's just outside of Birmingham uh, that was the first Buckies I ever went to probably the one I frequent the most is the one down there kind of Warner Robins Fort Valley area uh, in Georgia that's probably my that's probably my like in network Bucky's. I, I guess you'd probably say uh, that's one I probably go to the most. But listen, we've we've hit Calhoun before. Uh, you know, we, we're no stranger to Bucky's. Uh, there is no doubt about that. On a more serious football oriented note, I thought Barrett's Lee had an interesting piece at CBSSports.com looking at the teams that have been most positively impacted by the transfer portal thus far this season, as you're probably not all that surprised to see, a lot of SEC teams on this list. I just kind of want to bounce through this a little bit because I do think that if you're trying to make sense right now of what's what and who's who and who the real contenders really are, you know, what's going on in the transfer portal is a big part of that conversation. Now, Barrett ranks Auburn number two. He had Colorado at number one. To me, I think you got to put a huge asterisk on the idea asterisk on the idea that Colorado's been positively impacted by the transfer portal because while they have brought a lot of guys in, they've also a lot a lot they've also lost a lot of guys there as well. That the Colorado, you know, compliance office has been a little bit like Grand Central Station. People coming in, people going out. I don't think we quite yet have a full idea of exactly where they shake out on that, but just given the fact they've lost so many players, including in some cases the players that Dion would have wanted, I believe. I don't know that you can necessarily view all of this as a true net positive, even though it's a Shador Sanders and obviously Travis Hunter, you know, guys that you, know, you clearly you know, would want no matter who you are. You know, they've also lost a lot of guys there as well. So I guess I'm a little bit wait and see still on Colorado. My expectation is that's a team that probably wins three or four games here this year. So I'm not quite so sure how positive their benefit from the transfer portal is going to be right now. But Barrett puts Auburn at number two. Now, Here's what I think is interesting about Auburn, and I've told you before, I do expect Hugh Freeze to make 
a positive difference for Auburn this season. He's clearly a better coach than Brian Harson. Brian Harson was at ESPN.com this week trying to tell his side of the story on the whole Auburn fiasco. I don't know that he helped himself. Uh, Harson, fact of the matter is, is just below the standard of what's required you know, to be an SEC coach. It's not his fault that he's not a better coach than that. It's Auburn's fault that it hired him. But the idea that you know that, that Harson wants to kind of rehabilitate his image or whatever else, honestly, I think as long as Brian Harson stays out west and coaches in sort of a group of five type place like Boise or somewhere like that, I'm sure he's a fine coach. I just think down here in the rough and tumble SEC, he's not cut from the right cloth to, to survive down here. So from that standpoint, Hugh Freeze is an upgrade over what Brian Harson was. But in terms of how much Auburn's going to be benefited from the transfer portal, I think a lot of this kind of depends on whether or not Peyton Thorne, the quarterback they bring in from Michigan State, whether or not he actually emerges and wins the quarterback job against Robbie Ashford. I'm guessing this is a real competition. Now, you can say that Thorne is probably the favorite to win the job. I believe that's probably true. He wouldn't be coming to Auburn unless he was. But when you look at how Peyton played, you know, started the last couple of years Michigan State against some of the better teams that Michigan State faced including that 2021 season which was probably the one that you know kind of Thorne hangs his hat on right now not always at his best against the best competition the Spartans face so on the basis of that it's not obvious to me that Thorne actually wins that starting job and and beats out Robbie Ashford especially given the athletic edge that Ashford probably has so I think it's an interesting competition there and in terms of how much of a boost Auburn gets in the transfer portal what happens to that quarterback competition probably goes a long way towards determining that Florida State comes at number three on this list and it seems like every year there's a hyped-up team in the offseason that proves not worthy of that hype once the year actually begins. I feel like Iowa State was that team a year or so ago. You know, just There's this team that everybody seems to be talking about during the offseason, and right now I would say that Florida State is kind of that team right now. And I think some of us are kind of allergic to some of this hype because we've sort of felt like we've been there before on that. But in the case of Florida State, I do think you have to seriously consider the idea – this was already a pretty good team a year ago, and as Barrett points out here at CBS Sports, they may have dramatically improved itself through the transfer portal there as well, most notably bringing in Keon Coleman, the wide receiver, just the other day. But they've effectively used the portal in other ways you know, there as well. That I believe that right now you've got to look at Florida State as a legitimate playoff contender. I really do. And I think the ACC with both Florida State and Clemson could be somewhat interesting. But there is a chance that the attention that's being paid to Florida State is, is not unwarranted. This really is a very good team. And a relatively deep roster already may have gotten better because of the transfer portal. Below Florida State on this list, Barrett's got LSU, which is fun, is the fact that LSU and Florida State also battle each other to begin the season. That could end up being the biggest game of the season in, in some respects. When you talk about overall impact of, the, uh, of uh, uh, you know the game itself, impact on the college football playoff race, LSU and Florida State week one from Orlando – that's about as good as it gets this upcoming year. I think that's going to be a uh, lot of fun. So keep your eye on that transfer portal making a big impact on some of these teams trying to join Georgia in this college football playoff race this year. We'll make that cruising around the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And before we wrap up today, let me also remind you one thing. So next week we are on vacation. I've told you that before. we got a great collection of pre-recorded shows on the way. I want to give you a couple of things to look for. First of all, we're going to have a great discussion around the idea of bold predictions for the upcoming season. Mike Griffith will hear some of his. Jeff Sintel will hear some of his. That's going to be a lot of fun. Many of you have been sharing yours. I'm going to read some of yours as part of the show. I've got three bold predictions myself that I'll be sharing with you next week. That's going to be uh, really good. Also, a great interview with Georgia quarterback Jake Fromm. The interview that I recorded with Jake this week, we decided to save for next week. 
in that particular interview, we're going to run this on Thursday of next week. Jake tells a great story about the first time he interacted with Brock Bowers and kind of, you know, what he learned about Brock very, very fast that maybe he didn't uh, fully appreciate prior to that. Uh, Jake tells a very good story about that. So the point is, is that we don't take it lightly, the idea that we step away. We're not doing the live show the way we typically do. But we try to really put a lot of emphasis on making the shows that we put together while we're on vacation as good as they can possibly be. So a terrific interview with Jake Fromm next week, a wonderful theme that kind of keeps our conversation going. And, of course, if anything big happens related to recruiting, Jeff's going to be live and talking to you about that somewhere on the Dog Nation video channels. And anything else that kind of breaks out as it relates to UGA or the SEC or anything like that, we're going to be all over that here on Dog Nation. And then I will look forward to speaking to you again the following Monday after that. So with that said, we can wrap up the show here today. And we do so with a wonderful collection of golden shoes. I'm going to give you a handful of these today just to kind of uh, – Try to go out on a, a strong note to close out our week. In fact, the uh, first one here, our buddy Mad Dog, obviously enjoying the recruiting success of George as of late. You see Kirby Smart there with the big foam finger number one. Mad Dog saying Georgia now has the number one ranked recruiting class for 2024. Mad Dog, that is true, and we expected to stay there. We'll give you a golden shoe for that. Well done, as always. How about our next one here? Uh, James Couch shared this with me. Lousy, stinking Gators. You see the uh, dumpster on fire there with the Florida Gator logo on it. Bubby Dean also kind of making that there, too. Bubby loves hating on the Gators. James shared that with me, so we'll give golden shoes all around for that. Uh, any t- any reference to the lousy, stinking Gators will get you a golden shoe here on Dog Nation Daily almost for sure. Uh, Houston Evans, speaking of the lousy, stinking Gators, Houston's down in Jacksonville. He says, great news on the extension of the cocktail party. Looking forward to barbecuing more Gators like this during the tailgate here in Jacksonville. You see right there on your screen. Uh, another one of those. We, this is the second time this week we've shown a Gator on the grill. That is a Gator cooked up right there for sure. I don't know that I could eat that, but maybe maybe when you get down there in the spirit and the vibe down in Jacksonville, maybe I'd uh, find out I was capable of more than I realized. But there you go, Houston. That's a really good picture of that Gator cooked up. And we, obviously we think that Georgia's going to cook up Florida again. Uh, this fall there as well. Bill Sanders shares this. He says, hey, Dog Nation Daily, is this your truck? And for those of you listening radio podcast, it is a finished long drink truck, which I like to see. And, Bill, I'm glad when you see that, you think about us here on Dog Nation Daily. I'll tell you this, they could back that thing right up to my driveway, and I'll take all their product off their hands for them. I know Kaylee Manziel feels the same way about that, Bill, so we appreciate you sharing that. We'll make you a golden shoe winner today there as well. And Philip Thomas shares this, too. He said, we passed through the small South Georgia town today and surprisingly did not see a marble statue of the two-time national champion quarterback. He says, let's put those local tax dollars to good use and get it done. So Philip goes through Blackshear there and uh, gets a chance to be in Seth Bennett's hometown. Listen, I'm right there with you, Philip. I'd love to see a uh, statue for Stetson in Blackshear and really anywhere else that some of these dogs could be honored. I'd love to be able to see that, but I'm glad to see you traveling, having a good time here this summer, and we will definitely give you a golden shoe. Indeed, you use the hashtag golden shoe in your particular message there. So Philip will give you a golden shoe indeed. Is that our last one? Oh, that's our last one. So good stuff there to everybody else included. Great golden shoe submissions here to close out the week. By the way, speaking of the lousy, stinking Gators, Georgia back in Jacksonville, 155 days from right now, beating Florida again, cooking them up on the grill, and just generally speaking, having a very good time. That is our Gatorator countdown. Speaking of good times, hope you guys enjoyed the weekend and enjoyed next week there as well. Got great shows on tap for you while I'm gone, and then back live again the following Monday. So we'll talk to you then here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger.